0: You're listening to episode 23 of the Journey to Launch podcast, reaching financial independence the millennial way.
1: T minus 10 seconds.
0: Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in- Five, oh. nine, four. Three, two, one. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. This episode is going to be another good one, if I don't say so myself. I have on today's podcast two very special guests, Gwen and Jay from the Fire Drill podcast. And I say this is gonna be a very special chat because one, we're talking about your favorite subject, early retirement, financial independence. You guys love to hear these stories. You love to hear people who are on this journey to reach financial independence, who wanna retire early and the ways they are going about it. And I really like that Gwen and Jay, they are millennials. They're still in their 20s and they are hustling. You'll hear it when they talk. You hear it just from their experience and what they've done so far, what they're doing to reach their goals. And we all can learn a thing or uh, two from them. And I really like to just bring on other women, especially who are on this path because in the financial independence world, there are a lot of male voices and totally fine. But the diversity of it, where it at least comes to women, bringing more women to the forefront that are pursuing this is very important. And the Fire Drill podcast, where they host and they also interview other people who are reaching financial independence. They were also nominated as the Best New Personal Finance Podcast at the Plutus Awards. This was the awards at FinCon, in which I was also nominated as a, Personal finance podcast as one of the newbies. So it was just really great to just be in good company, have them on the podcast. I met them both at FinCon. Jay, which you'll see if you see the episode picture for this, she is anonymous. Gwen, you'll see her face, but they really, really have a lot to say about this financial independence movement. And they talk about the different aspects of paying off debt and being financially stable. They both, as independent bloggers, Gwen and Jay, have their own informative and successful websites. And so you hear how each of them are plotting and planning their way to financial independence, what they've done to date. I find it pretty impressive that, Gwen has saved $100,000 by age 25 and she bought her first rental property at Triplex earlier this year. And Jay managed to pay off $100,000 of debt in two years and has saved over $200,000 in her retirement account by age 28. Like, Wow. I wish I was on top of this in my 20s, <laughs> but you know what? doesn't matter what age you are, you're listening to this, you can start at any time, but obviously the earlier the better. So I think this is one of these great conversations that we'll get into that you will learn a lot from. Before we get started, I just wanna say, if I haven't welcomed you, I think I did, right? I said welcome, but thank you so much again. If this is your first time listening, thank you for listening. If you are a returning listener, hey, <laughs> thank you so much. You know, I always ask you to do this in every episode, but if you are enjoying this podcast, please, please just leave a review on iTunes. So if you listen to this on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's very helpful to the show and to me because it just gets the visibility of the podcast out there. But regardless of where you listen, Just make sure that you are subscribed and that you are tuned in. And the most important way you can get this podcast heard by more people is to share it. So share it with your family and friends. I can't tell you how many direct messages, private messages I get on a daily basis, emails of people sending me information that they heard or they found out about my podcast through a friend or family member. So, I mean, I love when the podcast gets out that way. Right now, the podcast is nearing 32,000 downloads all together. That means 32,000 times this podcast, all the episodes have been downloaded. That's amazing. So my goal, I have a very lofty goal. I want to reach 100,000 downloads within the year. So I started this podcast at the end of July. I want to hit 100,000 downloads before next July. <laughs> so will you help me do that? And you can help me do that by, again, leaving a review to get the podcast more out there if you listen to iTunes, sharing it with your family and friends, and just sharing it on social media. So if you're listening to the podcast, share it. Share it on your Instagram, share it on your Twitter, share it on your Facebook page, just share it with the world. So let's hop right in to this great episode and stick around for the end. I have some great announcements coming up I wanna mention, but I'm gonna save that for the end. If you want the episode show notes for anything we discussed at this episode, please go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 23. So let's get started with this lovely chat with Gwen and Jay from the Fire Drill podcast. I'm so excited because I have two amazing ladies on the podcast today. I have Gwen from Fiery Millennial and Jay from Millennial Boss. Hey girls. Hey. 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 So, I wanted you guys to introduce yourselves individually and then come together about why the two of you are on this podcast together and go from there. So, Gwen, do you want to kick it off about what you're about, where you're from?
1: I would absolutely love to. Thanks for having me on. My name is Gwen and I am 27 years old. I live in the Midwest and I have been on this financial independence journey for just about six years now and have saved up quite a bit of money and will be looking to quit my job and do the online entrepreneurial side hustle business along with some other stuff like real estate. Awesome. Awesome.
0: And Jay from Millennial Boss, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Jay. I work in tech in the Pacific Northwest. I have an awesome dog and I am interested in side hustling. I have a blog, millennialboss.com, where I talk mostly about increasing your income. And that's been a huge factor in terms of me paying off my debt and now getting on my journey to financial independence. So those are some of my favorite things.
0: Right. And you two came together and created Fire Drill Podcast. Right. So tell us a little bit about what that's all about.
2: So Fire Drill podcast started because Gwen and I became friends. We realized that we were two millennial women who were writing about money and writing about our path to financial freedom. And we met and we became friends over the last year and a half. And we decided that maybe we need to get together and make a platform where we can share our own stories of getting to financial freedom, but also feature other inspiring people with the particular focus on featuring amazing, inspiring women. On Fire Drill podcast, we've had 22 episodes so far. And we've been able to talk to some amazing people who do all sorts of cool side hustles to paying off debt, to saving massive amounts of money so they can retire early.
0: That's kind of why I wanted you on the podcast, because not only do I just love talking to women, like you mentioned, in the financial independence world online, it's a lot of men, it's a lot of male voices, but there are a lot of women too. And I feel like it's great when I get to connect with other women who are talking about this, who are raising their voices and just giving their perspective And then I just love the fact that you guys are millennials. You're a little younger than me, but I feel like millennials still, and you guys are like crushing it. You guys are blowing away that whole myth that millennials are lazy (laughs) and don't want to work. I feel like you guys are really focused. And I think that both of you guys are in your 20s still. The fact that you guys are so far ahead in your financial freedom journey is so impressive. Oh my, you flatter
1: us. We buck like every (laughs) single trend that's out there for millennials. But you know what, though, some people who've read my blog,
2: they think that it is the typical millennial story. It's like, oh, millennials, they don't want to work. They want to retire early. They're complaining about their jobs. But it's not about that. It's about pursuing a life of options. And it's about if you remove money from the equation, what would you want to do with your life? And it's not just sitting on a beach drinking a cocktail. It's like, yeah, I could give back. I could start a business. I could do something that would be more productive to a society than maybe sitting in a cubicle.
1: Right. Although don't get me wrong, that cocktail sounds amazing right about now. Yeah, I know. Right?
2: <laughs> Such a millennial thing to say.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to get a little bit into your backgrounds, where you guys are in your journey, because I think that might be inspirational to our listeners who are thinking about what they can do to push themselves along? So let's see, Gwen, can you just tell us a bit about? You said you have been on this journey for six years. You saved a lot of money. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process?
1: Yeah, sure. I found the Fire World, the financial independence retire early community. I found that in college when I randomly stumbled across Mr. Money Mustache's blog. And I had a year and a half left of college to go. And this gave me a reason. To do what I was already naturally inclined to do, I went out and I graduated and I got a really good job. And I was lucky enough and worked hard enough that I ended up graduating college debt free. So I was able to begin saving immediately. And I realized that there just weren't very many bloggers out there that I could really identify with. Most of them were older, they were male, they were married, they had kids, they were climbing out of debt and it's like well there's nobody like me out there so i started a blog and have written about all the savings that i've done and the different strategies that i've tried out i've maxed out all my saving retirement accounts i have started real estate i'm looking into various online side hustles now we started the podcast yeah it's just been a really interesting ride Technically if I were to stick with my original plan, I'd probably have about 7 more years of work to do to reach my like goal FI number, but I've changed my plans completely and I'm now focusing on replacing my income from my W2 job and I think I've reached a point where I can really launch off of the efforts that I've done now with my W2 job and really start to grow it. So I'll be quitting my job in the spring of 2018 and starting to see if I can be my own boss and do my own work and see how much money I can get from that. Now, and
0: you just talked about all the things you were able to accomplish. You graduated debt-free from college, you were saving immediately, maxing out all retirement accounts. But before someone thinks like, oh, well that just sounds very easy, like you have it made. Can you talk a little bit about the sacrifices or the things that you had to do differently than maybe some of your peers that were going in another direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, I worked my butt off in high school to be able to be eligible for a scholarship. There were days I was at school from 545 in the morning to eight o'clock at night due to all the extra careers that I was involved in. I'd get up early and go to swim practice before school. And then I'd do school and I'd work on my homework and I'd have more swim practice. And then I'd have Girl Scouts and I'd be volunteering for different things. I was in band and I'd did volunteering for the library aid and front office aid. And I tried to boost my resume as much as possible in high school, which ended up paying off in the form of a free ride to school. So people are like, oh, you're lucky you got a scholarship to go to college. But I'm like, it wasn't actually luck. I worked really hard for it. Whereas some of my other friends were like, oh, you know, I'm going to dances tonight or... We're going to go hang out. you want to go to the movies? I'm like, sorry, I can't. I'm busy. You know, I have stuff going on. So yeah, I think all that work really paid off at the very beginning. So,
0: And then in your 20s, while you graduated, I'm sure you're doing things now in your 20s that you're sacrificing to be able to save this much money.
1: Yeah. Right now I'm house hacking, which is when you buy a property and you live in part of it and rent out the rest. So I am consider this a pretty big sacrifice. I live in about 450 square feet in a studio, which doesn't seem terribly bad, but I moved from an 1100 square foot two bedroom, two bath apartment. So it was quite the adjustment, but I'm living here for free. My renters are paying me to live here every month. That's awesome. So Jay, what about
0: you? What's been your journey to financial independence? Where are you and what's got you here?
2: So I didn't know about financial independence first. I had about $32,000 of student loan debt. 25 was my own, and then around 7K that my parents had taken out in their name in the form of Parent Plus Loans. And when I left college, I remember it was senior week, and we were going down to Myrtle Beach for our senior week party, and I had to fill out the financial aid and student loan exit questionnaire that some people who took out student loans in college may be familiar with. And I literally, I wanted to go party. So I just clicked next, 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 as fast as possible to get it over with. And I didn't think about it. And then six months after graduating college, I got my first bill. And I remember being like, Oh my God, what is this? How am I going to make this work? And I just paid the minimum payments for years, but something woke in me, I guess, around 2013, and I started Googling and being more interested in how people were paying off student loan debt. And I found this blog, NoMoreHarvardDebt.com, and it's the story of a guy, Joe, who pays off about $100,000 of student loan debt from Harvard in 10 months. And it chronicles his whole journey from when he was doing random side hustles to when he started house hacking and living with roommates to selling his car and the whole process. And it was so inspiring that I put a plan for my own debt together. And I just recently this past January I finished paying off the debt. Oh, and I got married too. And I took on my husband's debt and we had to tackle that together. So that was my entry into financial independence.
0: So you paid off all that debt. You and your husband paid off you guys' debt together. But how? So someone listening to this is like, all right, I'm in debt still and I want to get started on this path. How do I get started? What do I do?
2: So the first thing I would do is find something that Gives you that kick in the butt. So for me, I don't know why I I knew I should pay off my student loans, but until I read that blog, I wasn't really inspired. I just needed to see someone else who I could identify with that did it. I don't know why it was Joe who lived in Texas and went to Harvard, because I didn't do any of those things, but for some reason, it spoke to me and inspired me. So the first thing I did was I broke down all of my debt in different categories. And then we actually did the snowball approach where you start with the easiest stuff to pay off, and then you tackle the bigger ones later, which some people think is not the right way to go about it. You should go against the ones that you have the higher interest rate on, but the 0% interest credit cards that we use to fill up our house with furniture, we actually decided to get rid of those first because they were just annoying in, in the way. And then once you kind of pay off the little ones, then it snowballs, and then you tackle the next big one and the next big one. And so that's how I tactically did it. But in terms of how I actually did it, a huge thing for me has been career hacking. So in college, I basically studied basket weaving. Honestly, every semester I took whatever class I was interested in because I came from kind of like the, I don't know what I want to do with my life approach to college. And I'm really impressed by Gwen's story because she actually chose a major that was in demand and she chose to participate in ROTC, which helped her pay for some of her uh, the, the whole thing. Right, Gwen? The entire thing was paid for?
1: not through ROTC. The school itself paid for my college education. I did do a little bit of ROTC, but that was just for fun. Yeah. But Um, you could have had it paid for through the military. But I joined the military itself Uh, to have a backup plan if uh, I lost my scholarship. Yeah. So So basically you were badass
2: at 18 and it took me a really long time to get to there. But what I started realizing is I wasn't going to make money in the field that I was currently in. And even if I felt passionate about it, it didn't matter. For the next five years of my life, I needed to chase a high-income, high-paying career field. So I ended up moving into technology and getting my master's online at night in information systems. And I just chose an online program that allowed me to get my degree in a short amount of time, that my work would actually reimburse for the program. So one where I wouldn't be out of pocket too much every year. And I switched what field I worked in. And IT is a really well-paying field. And it gave me a lot of opportunity. And what I actually found was that I really enjoyed it. And I was good at it. So I beasted as much as I could in my career. Spent a lot of nights pouring over spreadsheets. I tried to get promoted quickly. And I have all these career hacking posts that I've written on my blog that I would point people to. And specifically, like salary negotiation, that was huge for me as well. But that was the path I took to increase my income enough so that I could meet my goals on my debt payoff.
0: I can actually really relate to that because, in the same respect, when I went to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to focus on making money because I knew that would be the way that I would be able to reach my goals and get better opportunities. And so I chose business. And then I went, like, I did a lot of things where I was just, I'm going to focus on income. I care what I do for a living, but it's more about, the money that I make from what I do, like how can I now live my best life because I focused on income, I was able to get a really good paying job at the time for my level, and then since then I've been just focusing on working hard to increase my income while I'm working, so I could totally relate to that and I think for our listeners that the fact that you said you didn't know what you want to do, you were kind of more in a low income trajectory, and then you decided, mm-hmm. you know what, let me switch. Let me think about how I can get into a more high paying job and you went after it. So that's really good.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about working in tech. I don't code myself. Now, over the years, I've picked up a little bit so I could be more valuable in the field. But there are positions in technology that you don't have to be an engineer. For people who are kind of intimidated, like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, it's for you. It's for anybody. I would just go for it. Mm. But don't pay too much money getting that education.
1: Case in point, I'm also in IT and ended up with a degree in IT after I switched mid-year in college. I was originally going to be a police officer. And then I looked up the expected salaries for that and was like, oh, those are really low. And then I looked up the top 10 paying career fields at that time. and It was like eight out of the 10 were IT. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go into that. I'm going to earn lots of money and this is going to be great. Spoiler alert, I earned lots of money and it is great. But I also don't code, which is good because I can't code my way out of a box. (laughs) And it's funny
0: because maybe some people listening was like, well, you know, you should follow your passion. It shouldn't be about money. And I would say that that can be true. But if you want to make the best of your finances and you so happen to come across financial independence and that's what you want to do, if the more money you make, the quicker you'll be able to reach it. You can find a way to love what you do if you're making enough money and outside of work, having enough things to keep you occupied and happy.
2: Exactly. And if you really focus hard for a good five to seven years, I think in a high paying job, you can do whatever you want after. So I'm at the point right now where I have a nice little nest egg. I could choose to continue to work in tech, which I I do like it. So I'm going to do that. But if I wanted to do my passions, I'm still young and I have the ability now, I could do whatever I want. I could go be a teacher. I could go help people. I could go volunteer. I'm not an FI, but at least I have enough save that I have more flexibility. So it doesn't have to be to completely shun your passions your whole life. If you just dedicate like maybe a few good years to it, I feel like a lot of people will be better off.
0: And it sounds like the both of you guys are making good money and you're on the FI path. But Gwen, you're deciding that in March of next year, you want to kind of take that leap and depend on all your side hustles, make that your main income. And Jay it looks like you're just going to stay in your job a bit longer and still pursue FI, but with that steady income, right? Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. That's my plan. And I think, you know, Gwen mentioned she has a rental property right now. So when she ultimately leaves that house, she'll have a check coming in every month from her tenants. And she has a lot of good stuff on her side about how she chose her property and how she manages it and all of that. For me, I'm definitely interested in acquiring a property while I still have my income from my day job, and that'll just give me more flexibility and more options because that's really what I think this whole FIRE thing and or the financial independence path is for me. It's just giving myself a lot more options so that I never feel boxed in or I feel like I have to do something, which is a way that I felt when I had debt.
0: And I think ultimately that's just what everyone wants. It's not about the money like it is, but it's not because Ultimately, what the money does is it gives you options. It allows you to walk away maybe from something that's not serving you, that's not making you happy because you know that you have enough money to hold you over until you find something else or to sustain your lifestyle for a bit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm exercising my FU option. I'm not quite an FI either, but I started dating a guy who lives five hours away and this long distance thing sucks. So because I have this FU money saved up, I can and am going to quit my job and move five hours away to a completely different state and move in with my boyfriend. And that is something that people with debt or without savings can't really do. You know, be like, well, I want to move up with you, but I have all these bills that I can't afford to pay. And, you know, I, I can't, but I can because I have this stash saved up.
0: Right. And this, for everyone listening, F-U money. Well, how can we say that without saying it? <laughs> we definitely shouldn't say what, say it. Yeah. We're not going to say it. This is a PG-13 yeah. podcast. So basically it's screw you money, right? Gwen, it's that money where it's just like, you know what? You can walk away from something because you have this money and basically say, screw you to your employer or whoever is holding you back, quote unquote. Exactly. <laughs> now, actually, I want to talk a bit about F-U money because I think everyone needs to have F-U money. So would you say that there is a order of how you get that done? So say you're in debt, right? Should your focus to be, all right, I'm gonna get maybe a little small savings account like that emergency savings account that Dave Ramsey talks about. And then maybe you focus on paying off debt and then you work on your FU money. Or is there like a way in which you should start attacking, getting to that point where you have that kind of stash?
2: I don't think I did it the right way. So when I was paying off my debt, I cut it really close every month. So I decided to pay off my debt and try to max out or at least put as much as possible in my 401k every single month. Because I had read about all of this stuff with early retirement and how important it is to invest early and to put as much as you can in these tax deferred accounts, which is what a 401k is. So I would put so much in that there wasn't much left in my paycheck. And then I'd be trying to pay off debt. And I remember... October 2015, I started having a stomach pain and I ended up having to get my appendix removed. And I had chose the high deductible savings plan, which is what a lot of people pursuing financial independence do because you pay less every month for your health premium. And then you also have access to a health savings account. And there's an article if anyone's interested in doing that hack that Mad Scientist writes. that's really good that we can provide to you so you can link it. But anyways, I ended up taking a huge risk and my bill was $5,000 because the surgery itself was 31000 But because I chose a high deductible, my out-of-pocket expenses were around 5000 And I was cutting it super close. So in that case, I was doing the right thing, like paying off debt and saving and everything. But I was still living two paychecks in the future. And I had to wait until a month later to pay my bills because I didn't have the cash on hand. So I wouldn't recommend going that crazy about it. But it worked for me and I got this done really quickly and it felt good when I paid off my debt to have something saved.
0: Are you saying that you would have more focused on saving up more money first and then being more aggressive with your debt payoff or what was the order you would have did?
2: I think I would have definitely had a little bit of a cash cushion emergency fund because you know when you're young, you don't actually expect anything to happen to you, but something random can happen to you. Like the appendix thing just came out of nowhere and I didn't have the cash to cover it at the time. Because I was trying to pay off debt and and invest as much as possible. So I would just encourage people, even just a couple, if you're going to choose the high deductible health plan, just get a couple thousand dollars first and then start going wild with paying off your debt and saving. I don't know. What do you think, Gwen?
1: Well, you know, I didn't pay off debt. But yeah, having a cash cushion on hand is definitely helpful just for anything in life, really. I mean, it just gives you such a sense of security that it lets you take a little bit more risk because you know you have a bit of a cushion. So you're not going to be completely wiped out and dependent on credit cards or something. Case in point, when I bought this house, I didn't realize how much work I had to do, but fortunately I had more or less enough money to cover the work that did need to be done right away. So that was really helpful. And I was already stressed out enough, but not having to worry about money with that stress helped out a lot.
0: Right. And so On your podcast, you guys, you're talking to people who are either have reached FI already or are on their journey. What have been the most interesting ways you've heard a guest approach reaching FI or focusing on the income side, how people are making more money and supplementing their income so that they can save, get out of debt and retire earlier?
2: One that speaks to me. So on episode two of the podcast, we had this woman who she has a day job. But she makes $8,000 a month on Amazon writing and selling romance novels for Kindle download. And she had never written a romance novel in her life. And she didn't read romance novels, but she found out that they were this thing that people download like you wouldn't believe. So she learned on the internet how to write one. And now she's making all this money. And that's going to be her path to financial independence. So that was kind of a cool thing. That does sound pretty cool. You took mine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We try to mix it up and get people doing interesting things because the career hacking approach that has been mine or the real estate that has been Gwen's, not everyone wants to do those things. So we're trying to mix it up and find people that everyone can relate to.
0: Right. And then just to talk a little bit about the house hacking, because I get a lot of questions for people who do want to get into real estate or to at very least own their own home. And then maybe they can house hack that if they decided to. So Gwen, how did you first get started in real estate and what tips you have for someone who wants to House hack and get started.
1: Well, I started in real estate when I went to the Chautauqua in 2015, which is this week long trip to Ecuador with a bunch of FI people. And it's totally awesome, which is actually originally how Jay and I bonded because she went to the week after I did. But there was a blogger named Paula Pant, and she is this real estate guru and really encouraged me and waylaid my fears and really just made me feel a lot better about real estate. Cause I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't know if I can do it. And she's like, anybody can do it. You can totally do it. She gave me all sorts of guidelines and she has a really great real estate series on her blog.
0: We can look that in the show notes also.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And she, she taught me about this thing called the 1% rule where you should get 1% of your house's value every month in rent or more. So I bought this place for $85,000. So I should get at least $850 a month from this property. But because I'm an overachiever, I get way more than that. So I have not only enough to pay off my mortgage every month, but you know they they give me extra. So that's what you're really looking for. You don't want to just cover your costs because then it's not really worth it. So you need to look for properties that you can either live in or somehow multiply the rent streams. So duplexes, triplexes, quads, which are four places. Those are what you should look for at the very beginning. You're going to make mistakes, but when you have multiple rents coming in per month, it's okay. So you're not entirely dependent. If I had a single family house and my renters moved out, well, there goes my income, no doubt about it. But now that I live in a triplex, I still have one unit rented but it's okay if the other one's empty for a little bit so I can work on it. When you said $85,000,
0: I'm just like, wow, because I live in New York and there's like nothing that costs $85,000. So I think, and also I have a lot of listeners who probably are from New York or in high cost of living areas. And so when you're talking about that number, I'm just like, you can buy real estate in other places. You don't have to buy it in the state or city that you live in. So do you have any tips? I know Paula advocates for that a lot, like going outside. Of where you live to better real estate markets that are more affordable. But do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, there's a saying out there it's you have to live where you work, basically. I mean, there's obviously differences. You don't have to, but the rule of thumb is you live where you work, but you don't have to invest where you live. You can invest anywhere. So that really allows people in high cost of living areas like New York and Seattle and the Bay Area to get involved in real estate where otherwise they might be priced out of the market.
0: I love that quote. That's a good tip. And hopefully anyone listening that does want to get into real estate, living in a high cost of area living that's locked out of the market, that you can start looking in other places too.
2: Yeah, I know I've been creeping on Bigger Pockets. that it's like a social network for real estate investors. And you can type in, in the search bar, maybe an area that you're interested in that's out of state and there's all these forums. And I'm sure, you know, whatever questions you have, there are people who have asked them and people have answered them there. it might be a good place to get started if you're nervous about investing in a place that you don't live.
0: Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to link that in the show notes, too.
1: Yeah, so far, I'm like 10 for 10 on questions that I type into Google and BiggerPockets forum is the first answer on there.
0: For real estate. Yeah, they're a good resource for that. What's next for you guys? We talked a bit about your journey to where you are. We did talk a little bit about what you guys are going to do in the future a bit, but let's expand on that a bit more. So how long until you reach your FI number, would you say? Are you still on track from where you started or have things changed since you started? What's happening?
2: So my plan has changed a little bit. In the FIRE, the financial independence community, they typically say that you should have 25 times your annual expenses saved before you consider yourself financially independent. Now, that's in the situation where somebody wants to achieve financial independence by saving up this big nest egg and then withdrawing the money over the rest of their life. Now, there's other options that I'll let Gwen get into after to talk about cash flow. And instead of going that route of having to wait till you've saved a lot of money, instead you acquire assets that give you a monthly cash flow and that that supports your needs. And then you can consider yourself FI at that point. There's kind of like two different ways you can do it. For me, my first path, just given that I liked my job, I'm making good money at this point, I'm continuing to invest and to save, that was my plan. And I thought that my number was around a million dollars, which is $40,000 per year in expenses. And that's a common number that you'll hear thrown out on the financial blogosphere. But then I realized that I like to spend a lot more money than that. And I just need to be honest with who I am. So I need to figure out that number. And I don't think I want to wait until I have saved X million dollars to achieve it. I think I want to do a combination of saving to a certain point. And then I want to get these assets like rental properties or businesses or anything that give me the monthly cash flow to make up the difference.
0: I like that a lot. And it's a good distinction to make that. And I talk about the 25 time rule a lot. But yes, there's a way also to look at it is if you do build up, Your cash flow, so some passive investments and things in which you can sustain your lifestyle, then you can also reach financial freedom or independence that way instead of waiting 20 years to save up $2 million.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, which is the path that I ended up on just because I am starting to see my other income streams start to pick up. There's so much you can do, and people are literally coming to me and saying, Hey, can you do this for me? I'll pay you money. I'm not looking for it. It's just coming to me. And I think that that's a phenomenon that a lot of people have seen happen to them or have had happen to them. And I'd have to basically become like a recluse and a shut-in to not earn any money in the future. You're going to do things and you're going to bring in money. Maybe not as much as my overpaid tech job, but it's enough to live off of for sure. Yeah. And that's the
0: irony of it, right? That's the irony of FI because I feel like a lot of people who do reach it, if they reach it, they end up making way more money once they quit where they don't even have to touch their investments. Like It's almost like the abundance continues even more than when they were locked into some job that they were not crazy about.
1: Oh yeah. And it's totally true. People are like, why didn't I quit three years ago? I'm making tons of money and I didn't need to wait so long. Yeah, I think it
2: depends on your comfort level before you quit and do something else. Some people, they don't need that safety net that other people need. Mm, Yeah. Gwen and I have been, our whole opinion on this has changed throughout the course of the podcast. We launched a few months ago and our plan, I mean, I don't think Gwen you necessarily were planning on never having a job again at that point, but you know, from talking to all these people and getting different ideas, our plans have both been modified.
1: Yeah. And the kind of people that go after financial independence are not the kind of people who are going to sit on a beach to drink Mai Tais all day. We're motivated and we're not just content with hanging out. We're going to do stuff in FI.
0: That's a great point. I think you guys have laid down the foundation For anyone listening that, yes. I mean, I don't think we had to convince anyone who listens to my podcast or is familiar with FI like that they should at least be thinking about it. Because one thing I've heard, I forgot who said this, but it was just like, what's the worst that can happen if you aim for FI and you don't reach it? You'll just end up out of debt and with way more money than if you never tried. So it's almost just like, no matter what, going on this path is beneficial to you.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think for me, I have a little bit less risk tolerance right now, just given my husband is in a passion job. He loves his job. He probably will never make over fifty thousand a year. He may, he may, if he starts his own business and he has some side businesses. But in getting paid in a traditional W two job, it's just not going to happen for him. But he loves it. He's wanted to do this since he was eighteen. He's so happy. He has a really cool job. So for me, it's almost like I don't have a backup plan if I don't continue to save money or I don't bank my high income now. And I'm not comfortable on living on that salary, then I need to kind of beast mode right now, and then hopefully later we can have his salary plus whatever income I've able to produce from my work, my investments and my savings and my cash flow and
0: It just speaks to being flexible with your plans, and you know not everyone's journey is gonna be the same, which I talk about a lot, like it's gonna be different, and it's gonna be a combination of things, and it's okay to change your mind or that's good to note. But I wanted to thank you guys. So I think we got a lot of great information here. I want to tell the listeners where they can find you. So where can they find you guys?
2: So if you want to learn more about career hacking and my story, then go to millennialboss.com. But if you want to learn about our podcast, go to firedrillpodcast.com. And we're in iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all of those other lovely places that you find podcasts.
1: And if you would like to follow along my journey as I strike out on my own, you're more than welcome to hang out at FieryMillennials.com. That's double L, double N in millennials. Also applies for millennial boss. And uh, yeah, I'm also reachable through the Fire Drill podcast contact information. Cool. And I will link
0: all that in the show notes, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and all your knowledge.
2: Thank you. It's been fun to meet someone else who's doing this thing too.
0: Awesome. All right guys Thanks, Gwen and Jay. so much again for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our chat and if you want the links we talked about, go to journey com slash episode 23. And I want you to think as you think about or reflect on this episode, some of the things that Jane, Gwen and I talked about, think about it yourself. It doesn't matter if you're older starting this journey. I always say this because I don't want to discourage anyone if you didn't start if you were in your 20s. I mean, I didn't even start in my 20s. I started really getting focused and understanding what FI was. I didn't really know any of this until my early 30s. So again, it's never, never too late to start. It's just as long as you start. I came across this quote the other day. I posted it on my Instagram and it was, it doesn't matter how slowly you go as long as you just don't stop. And I thought that was just so powerful. It's very simple, but it's powerful. And so sometimes you might get frustrated that it's taking you longer than you thought, or you might look at where your current situation is and where you want to be and realize, wow, it's going to take me some time to make progress. But Going forward and moving forward is better than not moving at all. And your future self will greatly thank you for the work you put in today. No matter how small you think it is, it matters. It's mattering towards your future and it's so important. So think about what you heard in this episode. What are some action steps you can do? What are some things you can start thinking about for your own journey? What things can you do to optimize your finances right now? Think about it. And hit me up. Let me know what you thought about. Okay, so on to a couple of little announcements. First up, the budget bootcamp class. I announced it a couple of episodes ago that I was holding a live class. Well, I did. I held a live class. It was amazing. It was a two-hour session where I really dived deep into not only just the basics of a budget, because you know, you can technically find that anywhere. I really went deeper into goal setting with your budget, how you really should avoid the pitfalls of budgeting, like what you can do to do that, how to set yourself up for success. And then, of course, I did all the foundational work. If you want to see that replay, if you want to get your own seat at the replay of the Budget Bootcamp Clash, you can now. It's available. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash budgetbootcamp to enroll And I'm so excited because I'm announcing that the Q1 Journey to Financial Freedom Mastermind will be happening. This is my special project for Q1, well, one of my special projects, and this is going to allow me to work in a group coaching session with a few brave journeyers who are looking to really, really launch their financial freedom path for Q1 of 2018. And so a lot of you guys have reached out to me for individual one-on-one coaching. And I always say this, that I love working one-on-one with clients. I love talking to people, but one, it's time-consuming. It's very limited. And for my time right now, everything that I'm doing and the price point sometimes can be a bit higher for some people. So this mastermind, this group coaching three-month session that I'm doing with a few journeyers. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be of great value because one, you get to work with me in a group setting with fellow journeyers who are going to be on the same path with you, reaching their goals. And you also get it at a basically scaled price because again, I'm able to offer it at a little bit lower than I would a one-on-one coaching session because I'm able to do it in a group session. So the registration for that will open early, early in January. But you know what? I am taking a wait list. I want to understand. I want to know if you're interested in it so that you can be the first to be notified. So if that's you, if this sounds like something you're interested in and you want to learn more, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash mastermind. Then basically sign up. It just puts your email and name on a list where I know to contact you first when this opens up. Um, So you get first dibs on any spots that are left open. So again, if you're interested, go to journeytolaunch.com slash mastermind. I just want to thank you again for listening to the podcast. I really enjoyed this chat with Jane Gwen. Also, as always, leave that review wherever you listen, especially if you listen to it on iTunes. And I will chat with you guys next week. Bye.